Ready? Hey, welcome to Rhythm and Pixels. This is a video game music podcast. This is episode 34-9, and we're your hosts. My name is Rob Nichols. Fuzzy Pickle Breaker. And every week, we, wow, every week we listen to great video game music from all consoles and all generations. And this week, we have a special episode where we are recording live for our Patreon audience over a live stream. And Pernell is reading some silly jokes. <laughs> that comes from Kung Fu Carlito. It's, it's a good one. Joking, like it. joking with Carlos, joking with Triple Jeff. Um, yeah, so if you're a member of our Patreon, you can get access to these live streams where we hang out and chat while we're doing the show. And it's a good time. Patreon.com slash Rhythm and Pixels. Just a dollar, a dollar a month will feed a hungry Purnell. It's great. It's true. I just ate food I shouldn't have. My gut is not liking me for it even now, but it was worth it. It was a tauntaun ramen with lots of chili oil and spicy seasonings, and it, oh yeah, I was I was fond of it. It was good then. It was it was oh, pretty good. It's fantastic. All right, I like it. All right. <laughs> that sounds like Sonic. What something Sonic would say? All right, so let's just get right into it. This week is it's Halloween season, y'all. It's this is a spooky. I mean, and when this episode comes out, it's, it's just past Halloween season, so it's spooky adjacent. We're trying to get you scared, Jason, but we're doing things a little different. This isn't scary video games. This is games that have done horrible things to you personally. Left a mark. Left a mark. Maybe the game. Maybe maybe something around the game. Maybe it has to do with the time that you played the game, the people you played the game with. The Something the game did that made you just so frustrated, just like, I will never forget this game. The problem is the game caused real-life damage. Lasting damage. Lasting traumatic damage in your life. That's right. Um, and, and something that you just don't want to think about ever again. And we're going to talk about it. We're, we're, we're your therapists. My name is Rob Nichols. And I'm Dr. McCullen. And every week, we listen to your traumatic experiences and you know, make money off of it. I wish. Also, I wish. <laughs> and for the record, I want to straight up point this out. I really wish we, this is one of those topics where it's worth saying this. I really wish we got more submissions for this one. I because know. Because it's, so, I, it's, 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 so sp it's specific and it's personal. I don't, but I, think, I don't but, blame. I don't blame. But another thing, like, yeah. it doesn't have to be that personal. Like, you could be like, this gang drove me bonkers because the bat, Screamed at the time where my cat was coming in the room and just like peed all over the room because the cat freaked out when the bat screamed on the TV. That's not personal. That's just funny. That's oh, just entertaining. I also want to apologize real quick. Uh, Pernell's microphone is going to be up and down because I, I changed the settings earlier and um, I'm trying to fix the volume on that. So in the next five minutes, we're going to get it right. Dun, 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 dun. But it's messed up because I want to advertise that every Wednesday on Twitch – Twitch.tv slash Robumon, R-O-B-B-U-M-O-N. I am uh, I'm, I'm playing records instead of DDR. So just check me out there. I'm DJing every week on Twitch. And you can find me on YouTube as well. DJ, DJ 16 foot. That's all I'll have to say about that. And so moving on. Traumatic games. Traumatic game experiences. We got so many, only so many um, submissions this week. Um, all of our live episodes that are recorded for our Patreon audience, we also ask that any of our listeners can submit tracks mm -hmm. as topic, as track suggestions for these episodes, and we just play them. Um, and if we get someone new that we've never played before, you're at the top of the list, like immediately at the top of the list. We also request a testimonial with that track. It's not required. 
But it's kind of nice to you know, read off. It's, it's nice to put them together, yeah. Um, especially a story around the game. So at rhythmandpixels at hotmail.com is where you can send that stuff. Um, we, we, we love having track submissions for just any any episode, but this these episodes are always... You know, on our on our social media, on Instagram, on Facebook, and everywhere else, we announce what we're going to be doing. Rob, Martyrs just gave you your name. Vinyl Vinyl Revolution. You could be VVR. VVR. Okay. Because I could I could double as Vinyl Vinyl Revolution and Vinyl Vinyl Rip Vinyl Vinyl. I'll start. Rickles, I'll, 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 I'll start with aiming my streams that. Vinyl Vinyl. And if, Revolution. You, and if you see me at Brewworks. That's what I'll be. That's the, that's the name. There it is. DJ Vinyl Let's Vinyl. That's It's funny because the records revolve, right? The revolution of the record. Yeah, see? But anyway. We owe martyrs a drink. It's classic 80s and 90s hip hop. It's all vinyl. It's all my collection. You get to listen to my collection. You get to listen to new new items that I found along the way. Um, I just listened to them on the show. All right. Here we go. I, so we only got so many. So I picked some for myself. I know, I know you picked. You got all of them out there. But I actually picked some. For stories for myself, oh. which are going to be great. I think I wrote one down. I tried to hell. I held off. The rest, like, maybe, the rest, we're going to learn along the way. Because like maybe it'd be something worth doing another week down the line. Cause like I definitely have traumatic narratives for games, which but. was coincidentally they were both tracks from David Wise. I didn't intend that, but I was like trying to think of like times. And one was David Wise, and the other one was David Wise. That's very wise of you. It's I, it is is wisdomous, wisdomous. No, it's martyrs. It's martyrs. Let's start with some music. All right. <laughs> What's going on on this side? Oh, no, that's your side, actually. Oh, tis I, shit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry. This is 34-9. This is an odd-numbered episode. Pranel starts the odd episodes. I wasn't prepared, but I will start with the track that hits closest to home for me in the present state, and that came from Stephen Miller. This track is called Fire Seems to Work from the game The Evil Within, composed by a person we haven't we hadn't did a look up yet but that can change real <laughs> you didn't, soon you didn't have to say that <laughs> i felt like it it's funny because <laughs> it's funny you're just doing it for the laughs man the chuckles
Pernell? Welcome back. You Pernell? Were just, you, you know Pernell. what? I'm going to forget the name. Thanks for that. Pernell. Welcome back. You're listening to Fire Seated to Work for the Game, Evil Within, composed by Takata Masahu. Dang it, Robert. <laughs> Masafumi Takata. There we go. There I'm go. sticking with it. You got me, you got it, me all jittered. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Is this, is this, is this a scary game? Yes and no. no so no. But, well, here's the thing. It's interesting about this game. So a scary moment. In well, this first of all, refrigerate before anything. Like this was submitted by Stephen Miller. <laughs> Excellent taste, by the way. I just played through the sequel myself last week and completed it on my birthday. Thank you, Stephen, uh, um, for the for the submission. This so even within is scary. Yes, but it has this thing about it where kind of it kind of parallels the main character's journey in that regard where. It's scary, but you get used to the fear effects they throw at the game. So you kind of master the fear the well, game. What provides. are you talking about fear effects? So like when a game, like think of it, like when you think of like a movie or a game or a scenario in life for that matter that would generate fear in you. What would be some specific things that you would say generate fear in you, like jump scares or? Specific elements like I don't know, Mag is climbing out of a dead body, yeah, yeah, walking yeah, like after you. That thing know. they do in the movies where like like a person's looking in a mirror, like in the bathroom, and then like they close the door and the mirror moves, and there's someone behind them. Yeah, stuff yeah. like that, right? There's specific elements that are tied to jump scare, fear fix. Um, this game has a does a very good job of applying said fear fix, and it's very visceral too. Mm. But Eventually, and also the premise is great too because you're in like this weird, like mental. You're in this machine that takes multiple consciousness and loops them into one. Huh. But there's one powerful consciousness inside the brains that controls everything. So, which means you're living in a bunch of like, so you're running through a bunch of cerebral nightmares. Yeah. Um, but by the end of the game, I was at the point where I was like, I'm stealth killing everybody. I'm creeping around, building stuff, got like dark, like, you know, freaking grenade darts. I'm like a freaking one-man killing machine. Um, and then the best part is, as I'll read the description they provides because this is worth noting. It's not a spoiler for the final game. Mm. I mean, even still, even if it was, the game came out in 2018. I think I'm allowed to do this. Four, um, four years is pretty good. I mean, we were still doing the show then. So Stephen Miller goes, <laughs> not only is Laura objectively terrifying in both concept and appearance, but the fight itself is mind-bendingly frustrating with instant death attacks close quarters, and this horrific soundtrack to make one salad bundle of pure anxiety and terror. This fight was so difficult for myself, I had to get my wife to help put Laura down for good. Poor thing. <laughs> so I take her out back and shoot her. Um, which you couldn't do because she's extremely resistant to bullets. <laughs> the only thing that really hurts her is fire, so you gotta burn her to death. Um, but it's really cool how like, in the first game, the main character is new to all this stuff. And he's being terrorized by all the monsters and the main guy that's running the, basically running the show inside this shared consciousness. But then the second game, he gets thrown back into it after a very traumatic next like few years or so or months or whatever. And um, he's got to deal with it all over again. But he's already hardened at this point. He's like, everyone was telling me I was crazy, but it turns out it's just like a bunch of conspiracy crap. Like, I knew I wasn't crazy. This mm. actually happened. And he goes inside, and everybody that's still stuck in there is like freaking out. But he's just like, old hat to him. And at the end... The final villain of the game, or not, or maybe, maybe, maybe not. I won't tell you. But anyway, the final villain, air quotes, of the game plays on his fears to try to get to him. Mm -hmm. So he's like, hey, I know what scares you. And he brings back all the bosses from the first game. 
like the main bosses. You have to fight the bosses from the first game. Really? Yes. But hey. now he's like, I'm not afraid of this crap anymore. I own this. You know what I've been through? So he's like, the guy has chased him with a chainsaw. Like punches him. He's like, screw you. He takes <laughs> his own chainsaw, beats him. And then he has to fight Laura again. And he's still, and Laura is still scary. But you're like, I've done this before. I just got a burner. She's mm -hmm. weak to fire. So you're like playing around with that. But if you're smart and played the game in a certain way, you get a flamethrower. And that's like the only good time to use the flamethrower in the entire game is to use it on her. It's like because you're like, oh, I know fireworks. Fireworks. I have there this you weapon. Go. Fire seems to work. Fire seems to work. And it's like this really cool vibe. Like I, I remember reading like people talking about it. And I was like, I just hate this arc. This is dumb. I'm like, what are you talking about? It's the ultimate way to wrap up his story. He finally faced all of his fears. He faces all the stuff he thought he did wrong with his life. Mm -hmm. And he's ready to confront it, and they make him confront it by fighting all of his fears, literally. Like, I can I can appreciate that. It was great. And then the guy goes, when you beat them all, he's, like, wounded because he was taking the form of one of them. And he's hurt. He's like, what the heck are you? Because <laughs> it's like, I'm a machine, baby. I run this show now. Give me what I want. Like, it was just, it was cathartic. I loved it. Even Within 2 was a great game. Even Within 1 was a great game. Hmm. It's just... Like I said, to answer your question, yes, it's scary. And if you have a low tolerance for fear, what I described probably won't happen to you. You'll be scared the whole time. And I'm not great at video games. I don't think I would get that far. Well, you didn't play on nightmare mode. So if you played on the easier setting, you'd be in better shape. I played on nightmare mode, which is the hardest setting aside from someone called Akumu, which I don't remember. It's like some kind of weird like one-hit kill thing. <laughs> Double nightmare. Double nightmare. But nightmare mode without <laughs> carryover of data and stuff like that. Oh, wow. It was pretty rough. I was like, I was, again, I was stealth killing everybody. Mm. Like, because I didn't have a lot of bullets. So I'm just like, well, stab him in the back. Man. Back. <laughs> stab them all. Like, and I had this thing where I refused to leave a section unless everyone was dead. Because I didn't want anything chasing me that wasn't scripted. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. I don't want anything following me. I used to do that with double um, taps with a Tenchu Stealth Assassins for the PlayStation One. You ever play that one? Yes. Yeah, I was. I, I was, was terrible at that game because that game makes you kill everything stealth. So they plan around that. Yeah, yeah. I I would go back and I play. I beat that game over and over and over again, trying to get the best score on every stage, doing stealth kill, stealth kill, stealth kill. It's pretty violent. Oh, yeah. You're, that well, turned you're, out okay. Well, I kind of appreciate that to some extent. Because someone might come in and say, this is too vile. I'm like, well, I mean, you're a ninja who's brutally assassinating individuals. Is it not supposed to be visceral? Yeah, it's like, that's what's do, happening. Do you want pixels to splash? I don't know what you the, want. The problem is they have, like, these um, these these stock animations for all of, like, the stealth kills. And, like, after a while, I was like, doing that over and over again isn't... It's not as interesting. It's not you know? as engaging anymore. It's not as engaging, so I want to mix it up. But they don't give you the best score at the end if you don't do it. You need no. some of that Turok action. <laughs> yeah, even then, like, it's the same animation for every time you do it. I don't know. If you shoot him in the neck with an arrow, that's very specific. All right, we're moving on to Daryl. Daryl. Daryl sent us a track. This is called Original Sin. It's an, actually an unused boss track from Final Fantasy X for the PlayStation 2. It's unused. Uh, as such, I'm not exactly sure of the composer. So it's either of the three composers, Junya Nakano, Masashi Hamatsau, Hamatsau, or Nobuo Uematsu. Probably not Nobuo Uematsu. It's more li most likely, from what I've heard, Masashi Hamatsu. So this is Original Sin from Final Fantasy X. <laughs>
we're back. This is music from Final Fantasy X, Original Sin. This is unused music, an unused final boss theme. Um, the, the original the original final boss theme is not Original Sin. It has got some, some pretty heavy metal vocals in it. So the actual boss theme, and the, cause remember, I didn't beat Final Fantasy X. The actual boss theme in X is another metal track? Yeah, it's, I, th- I think so. Wow, wait, I'm getting a mix-up with the track when you fight Jack. But yeah, you, I, know the, I know the metal track that plays at the beginning where it's like, to another world. It's a shame. Whatever. I've played this game so many times. Yeah, I would have never The problem is, is I get to the end of the, I get to the end of Final Fantasy X and I'm like, I'm going to go do everything else. And then I never finish it. <laughs> like I did the one time I tried to play through But I have beaten it a number of times. Um, anyway, this is Original Sin from Final Fantasy X for the PlayStation 2. There's a number of composers, but I, I don't know. There is uh, Prelude. The original Final Fantasy theme is in the background, so that's Uematsu, and Nobuo Uematsu. But there's there's a few other things going on there. So, uh, but this was submitted by Daryl, and Daryl gave us a testimonial that we shall never forget. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's, it's interesting. Hey guys. Anyway, this is Daryl. Hey guys. Daryl sounds like this. Hope all is well. So I want to submit this remix or an arrangement of a track from Final Fantasy X. For the October Patreon episode. How was this game traumatic for me? Back when I was 16 and this game was out, I was dating a girl whose name I will not reveal. She would often stay the night at my place. My mom and stepdad allowed it. I had gotten a hold of, which is pretty great. I had gotten a hold of this game from a friend and was making my way through it around the time I first started to date her. I would have to wait until she went to sleep to play this because she always wanted to watch Deliver Us from Eva multiple times. Needless to say, I grew tired of this. One night after getting off work, I came home and she went to put the movie in. I told her, no, we always do what you want. For once, I'm going to do something I want, and you can sit here and watch me like I sit here and watch um, you. So as I turned on my PS2 and started up the game, I went to the load screen. Now, when I left off from the previous night, I had just gotten to the part where you enter Sin. And Sin's the final boss, the big bad of the game. Uh, Well, when I went to load, the save file was gone. I asked her if either of my brothers had switched my memory card out with one of theirs. She just said no and gave me a smirk. Realization dawned on me, and I asked her if she knew what happened. She told me that she, she erased the save file. I immediately broke up with her and sent her home. Wow. Sadly, I have not come back to Final Fantasy X, despite owning it on the PS4 as well as 7, 8, and 9, because of this traumatic experience Hope all is well. Wow. Well, first of all, he made the right decision on that note because I would have been like, yeah, you gosh darn mom. Wow. Not happening. Not happening. It's like. That's trauma. We're not going to watch Deliverance from Eva. Why not? Because I destroyed your disc. <laughs> May as well have just broke the disc at that point. Then I guess you could resell wow. it. But also, Rob did a generous solid on this, but I did read the email initially, and Daryl did issue me an actual challenge. He actively engaged me. In a challenge. Now, I, 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 t- I said to him, I was like, I'm going to address it on the show. And you can listen to the show and hear it yourself. And here it is. So, dating back to when Rob and I visited uh, the VG Embassy back with the Retro World Expo in Connecticut, we did a guest spot on his show. Oh, uh, this year, right? This yeah, year. Yeah. And I made a comment on the show in regards to um, um, the last week in the show, his podcast, basically the, the VGM Fight Club. The VGM Fight Club, of a fight club where podcasters play more music. Yes, but they battle it out. Now, <laughs> he hit me with the thing where he's like, you know, you got beef with my show. And at first I was like, what is he talking about? I don't understand. Why would I have a beef with his show? And then 
I went and did some diving to recall what I said. And I was like, oh, yeah, I do have some beef. So here it is, though. It's a respectable beef. And then I got a challenge for him. It'll be fun. Okay. So my beef was I feel like it's a challenge to compete on the show because when they, maybe when they have a shared topic, you can choose covers to go up against normal tracks that so you don't know what you're going up against, mm-hmm. which to me can result in a very lopsided, not normal lopsided, as in like I just happen to choose a better track or vice versa. Yeah, but like, literally, I chose a mass, a massively produced track to go up against like a favorite eight bit jam, something like that. You know, like it's a very mixed bag. So I was like, I feel it's always, like, I know, I always feel like I'm at risk of like getting hammered. On the show, not to say I'll Yeah, get yeah, beat you're like, okay, rate. I have a song from Omori, and someone's like, well, I've got the theme from Zelda Link to the Past. Done. Not, not just that. I have yeah, the theme from Zelda Link to the Past done not, by Lame Genie. And it's, yeah, it's not like one's going, definitely going to take over the other. It's just that you can't compare those two things. Yeah, but no, those two you can. It's just VGM. I'm saying, I have a track from Omori, and the competitor goes, I have a track from Ocarina of Time redone by Lame Genie. It's like, to me, that's a really hard balance because Lame Genie's awesome. Most covers are awesome. So it's like, ugh. So I was like, you know what? Here's the thing. All right. Well, I'm not going to go so far as to say I'm just going to go on your show and steamroll you because I'm not that kind of person. But I will say I issue you a backup challenge on the VGM Fight Club. And even though as the RMP Express, I go by you know Diamond Dallas Purnell as my solo <laughs> venture, I have a new name, and it's Mr. Pixel Perfect. That's good, because I don't think I've ever been to Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Pixel Perfect challenges the last weekend to a contest on the VGM Fight Club, but there's a specific condition involved. We go by Rhythm and Pixel's rules for your challenge, which means your listeners choose the topics for us. We have our track topics. We choose game-only tracks, right. but we have two final rounds that are specifically cover only, and those are topics chosen by your listeners too. You can pull that off, and you can take that challenge from me. Like for like, apples to apples, apples to apples, and then you dust know to dust. Yeah, I was gonna say, you know what? That is the way to gamble with this. I must. <laughs> I'm ready. Yeah. So that's my challenge to Daryl, the last Reekin. You can adhere to my terms. I will come on the VGM Fight Club, and I will take you on well, mano a mano. Well, It'll was, be fun. There was more to the email. I don't think you uh, you saw it. That's what I'm referring to. But at the end of the email, it says, Purnell, I quit. I I quit as the reigning champion. Well, no, I know he didn't say that. That's too bad. So that's, that's just too bad, really, honestly. I mean... He would never say that, first of all. <laughs> he would never say that. If there's one thing I know about Daryl, he is confident as crap. Uh, he ain't quit nothing. So, no, 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 no. I am good for the challenge. If he's up for the challenge, <laughs> we just need listeners to give us some topics, and we're good to go. All right. Okay. Um. All right. Well, that was also. Oh yeah, brother. That, I was, that, to was, say I, that. that was a uh, Pernell's promo. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Pernell. What's your next? What's your next track that you're gonna hit us with? All right. Let me see what I got written down on the Schenectady. Oh, here we go. This comes from da, 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 Martyrus, and to me, he chose what I consider to probably be one of the VGM staples of challenging slash traumatic music, and that comes from the game Ninja Gaiden Stage 1-1 called Galesburg, which I honestly didn't even know it had a title. Mm. Um, for those who don't know, this was on the Nintendo Entertainment System, composed by Keiji Yamagishi Ryuchi Nita.
Welcome back. You're listening to Galesburg Stage 1-1 from the game Ninja Guide on the Nintendo Entertainment System, composed by Keiji Yamagishi and Ryuchiya Gita, submitted by Martyrus. And what a masterful selection for traumatic jams and the VGM-verse. But let's see what Martyrs had to say about this track. He goes, according to one of the YouTube comments, it says, I think it's safe to say that this game trained a generation of gamers for the painful road of head. It's like our Spartan training program. Dark Souls, <laughs> blood blowing, bleep, bleep, bleep. Please, I, uh, I can curse. You got the, you can bleep it later. Oh, please, oh, I finished on. Ninja Gaiden. Yeah, I made you bleep it. I put it in there. Uh, this game introduced me to the pain of playing a game, which I'll call Rage Play. So many times I've died fighting against a boss. I was angry, steam blowing from my ears, my hands gripping the controller and ready to throw it down. Amazing that I never once threw the controller at the screen. However, I persisted and managed to reach and beat the final boss. Ninja Gaiden definitely prepared me for such scenarios, but I'll be dang if I'll ever play Ninja Gaiden again. And I'll be blunt with you, buddy. Once you've beaten Jacquio in that whole gauntlet one time, without save states especially, if you pull that off, yeah, that, that's... that game deserves to get thrown in a pyre. But you earned that right. Yeah, if you do that, that's it. Now you're familiar with the whole no, I know. Ninja Gaiden, how the final boss works in that game, it's right? It's insane, right? Like it's it's all of these in a row, and if you lose out on like in the last one, you have to go all the way back to the beginning, right? Yes. Well, not the beginning of the game, but the beginning of the final world, which yes. is like brutal just to get back up to the bosses again. Absolutely. Oh it's, my gosh. It's extremely unfair. It is it's just not right. It is it is punishment, unwarranted punishment. Now, the only saving grace of this game is that it's unlimited continue. Yes. They pretty much took the assignment of make people make it so that they have to buy the game instead of rent it and went way too far with it. Not a fan of that assignment. No, but on the other hand, it's a fantastic game with an amazing soundtrack. Great artwork. <laughs> that was like hearing Bumblebee curse in the Transformers movie. <laughs> Ow, my freaking ears! <laughs> we expect that kind of language on XVGM radio, but not here. Yeah, if you want, I kid, I if, if you want to hear raw, unfiltered Purnell, become a member of our Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it's not much of it. I I only swore there because it was thematically appropriate. Yeah, 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 and yeah. It, it all it all fits. I, I love Ninja Gaiden. I played this so so much as a kid. I played this so so much as a young adult, actually. Um, and then going back and realizing like how good of a design, as brutal as the as brutally hard as the game is, it's a great design for the game. Yeah, as far as I'm concerned, yeah. Ninja Gaiden or Gaiden, depending on who's talking, um, taught me was one of the first games to teach me about flow, um, video game flow. Right. Yeah. You uh, just, you, and like you're just everything melts away, and you are playing that only game. But not just that. You're alone in the room. Not just that. So flow in this circumstance is. So, you know when you play certain games, and it's oh, like, okay. Oh, it's when you get the fire ring, and it, and it spins around you, and you can jump through enemies? Well, that is a power-up for sure, yes. Flow. But, <laughs> Christ. No. <laughs> flow, in the case of this game, is when you get to that state where you understand how the enemies spawn, and where the power-ups right, are, and what's yeah. worth doing, what's not. So, you just kind of have this constant motion where if no one, if the person watching you has never played the game... They are absolutely shocked by the fact that you know a bird spawns right there and you slashed it before it can even basically come onto the screen. They knew that you threw a windmill star, jumped over it, let it come back under you, and started killing guys back and forth before they even spawned properly. It's like you have it in your head so that you can just start the game from one spot on and just run nonstop through the stage and just kill everything that's in your way almost like a dance. Mm -hmm. Like that game taught me that. 
And even to this day, for the first three quarters of the game, I still have that flow memorized where I'm just playing it like, kill him, kill him, kill him. Oh, that's where the Jaguar jumps. Jump over the Jaguar. Oh, now I keep running. Nah, nah, nah. Right. How'd you know the Jaguar was going to come out? I don't know. Just do. It's just how the game is. And it's amazing for that. And any game, where you brain, can def- yeah. any game where you can acquire flow on that level, for me, is a masterpiece. Mm. Because to me, it's a rarity. Like, it's possible for many games to give it to you, but it's very few games where you actually achieve it, mm. despite the potential for it being there. Do you think it's... Repetition? Um, not actually. Some of it is repetition, but in a lot of cases, even without, even with repetition, sometimes you don't just get it. You know, mm-hmm. like dance games can give you flow. Like it's that idea where like you can play a track that has 200 BPM, 700 steps. You couldn't write down the motions. You couldn't explain the motions. But when the game is playing. Your brain processes a series of arrows and says, you do this. You're saying like uh, playing Ninja Gaiden is like reading music. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I totally get that. I totally get that because like, it's all it's a one long script and you know how to manipulate the script. Yeah, because I mean, think yeah. about it. The days when you were doing a song set in that in the like, dance games for the very first time, right? And the arrows are coming up and you're like, I don't know what they want me to do here. And you're trying to get the arrows. You might get two out of seven. You probably get like a C or a D score. You got to the end, you're like, oh, man, at least I passed it. Whatever. You do it a few more times, and you're not intentionally trying to remember anything. And, in fact, there's too much to actually remember. You can't. But then one day, you start to do it, and your body just goes into this state where it just starts doing the thing. You might not even be getting tired because it's so natural all of a sudden that you're barely even exerting energy to get it done. Uh, It's the weirdest thing. Yeah, Stephen Miller is saying this Tetris count because I am a monster at Tetris. Absolutely. The Tetris effect... But the thing is, is Tetris effect flow or is Tetris effect... I guess it is flow. It's a different kind of flow. The idea with... Because it's spontaneous, but you always know what to do. Well, the, the, the Tetris effect is the effect of after you play the game, still seeing the puzzles and the shapes. Yeah, but that's not after. that's not flow. That's something different, yeah, but it's but, also cool. But, but I would say playing the game, they built the idea of, and the, and the visuals and the music around the idea of the flow state. Like the way you can like stop time and like do do more, mm-hmm. like that is that game is all about flow. Like with that said though, I think I I I was agreeing with you, but just I got I got sidelined when you said seeing the shapes outside of the game. That's yeah. why I was like not so well, much that, that, but the name the Tetris effect, like that's exact, like that is literal to like what that describes. Well, but I, I believe you, the game is built more around the flow state. Well, I think you've experienced this as well, but remember Tetris DS. Oh, yeah, we used to play that all the time. Yeah. yeah. Now, the single-player mode of that game, it had a final speed setting. It, it couldn't break. It couldn't go beyond that level of speed, right? So I would play that game. I think Lumines was a similar bit, bit, actually. But I would play that game and reach a point where it would hit max speed. There were no more real changes of levels. Mm-hmm. And I just, unless I intentionally just like lost track of what I was doing or lost yeah. focus, I could play it indefinitely because there's something that was happening in my head where I could constantly, I always knew where the motions were going to go. Boop, 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 boop. And it went from being a thing right. where I was like, what do right. I do? What do I do? Like, your, your, eh. your brain saw the piece and your brain wasn't thinking about where to put it. Your brain just put it somewhere. Just puts it yeah. somewhere. Yeah. Exactly. I like that. And that to me was amazing. It got to the point where I, it almost ruined the game. So I was like, well, now I can play indefinitely. So well, am guess, I really going to keep enjoying it? Guess what, Pernell? I don't guess, wanna, guess I don't what guess. also just fell right into place. I don't want to guess. I'm and that scared. is a, a, a last minute submission from our listener and friend, Carlos. Kung Fu Carlito brought us a track 
This is from the game Shadow of the Colossus for the PlayStation 2. The composer is Kaotani. We're going to listen to the track A Messenger from Behind. That was A Messenger from Behind from the game Shadow of the Colossus for the PlayStation 2. This one was submitted by our listener, Carlos. Thank you, Carlos. Kung Fu Carlito. So he brings this in. I've got a pick from Shadow of the Colossus, one of my favorite games. And I do have a scary little story tied to it. I was making my way through the game, defeating boss after boss, and I got to Dirge, the snake-like colossus you encounter in a sandy cave. Ooh, I remember that fight. The fight ends up being sort of a chase where you're on your horse while the rocky beast pursues you through the sand, mostly submerged. What I did not know is that the snake is huge, spotlight-like eyes that only open at certain times, leaving him open to attack. The controls have a homing camera button that fixes your POV to the Colossus, and while I was focused on staying ahead of the Colossus, I snapped the camera back to find those huge piercing eyes filling the entire screen. (laughs) That's amazing. This unintentional jump scare got me worse than any horror game I've ever played. I screamed out loud and reflexively paused the game. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. I could see that happening where like all of a sudden it's just the face right in front of you. That's amazing. Um, Shout out the Colossus no. is one of those games that captures a scale. The scale of the, the, the vastness of the world because you have to travel so far to get to each of these monsters. And then the scale of the size of these of the colossus of the colossi compared to your tiny little character it just it works in, in those two those two levels so so well mm-hmm. um, I, I can't think of any other game that, that works like that that works as well as this I feel like maybe you were looking into because I feel like we were just talking earlier about how uh, Vampire Survivors the indie project game that released earlier this year well officially released later in the year but it became known back in like February um, how it took off in such a way 
that there have been copycats out the wazoo mm -hmm. for the game. I'm actually surprised by how few Shadow of the Colossus likes <laughs> there are out there. You know, I mean, it's it's a very unique style of game, you know? I mean, I imagine the main reason might just be because it would take a lot more effort to create a Shadow of the Colossus-like. Because I feel like with something like Vampire Survivors, you could, theoretically, I'm saying theoretically, I haven't played the copycat. You could take all the weapon types, get their patterns, and understand the patterns that they work with, <laughs> yeah. and just change the skin of what they are and say, this isn't a bird, this is a mystic orb. Yeah, that's not a flying book. That's actually a flying television. Exactly. Um, and they just maybe add like one or two helps, things for yourself. It helps for a lot of these games. There's no story. It's just pure gameplay, you know? Mm -hmm. And I feel like the gameplay, the setting, and just the game loop of, of Shadow of the Colossus is so intertwined with the theme and the thematic of it. Mm -hmm. I, will, I will say this, yeah. though. Next Extermination Force will be a really cool game for people to play. That oh, that's Shadows right. That's a big. That's a whole lot of scale, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, the entire game is boss fights against giant robots. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a good. That's a good analogous, you know, game to this one. And if you've totally. never heard of well, Mech Extermination Force, look it up. If any of the patrons are like, "What are you talking about?" Maybe Rock and pull up the Macbeth fight later in the episode. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'll definitely want to watch it because that was one of my favorite fights in that game. The music is good. The fight is fun. God, I love Mech Extermination Force. So right. good. What's your next track, Brunel? All right. My next track comes from Bedroth. Bedroth, Bedroth, Bedroth. That means <laughs> he has to be summoned to the chat. Um, <laughs> if you say his name three times, he shows up. That's right. Uh, that's my boy. Um, he submits track titled Battle 2 from the game Final Fantasy Mystic Quest on the Super Nintendo. Let's give it a Jimbo Jam. Don't you touch my little baby! <laughs> Make a meat lead, Sonny! <laughs> oh, I gotta I gotta describe that real quick before we that was the track back. So um um Triple Jeff suggested a topic which we are probably gonna do on a future episode, likely as a Patreon, because I don't think Rob and I have enough topics for this or tracks for this ourselves, where the episode topic idea is games used to introduce friends or family to the idea of gaming. But Triple Jeff's description is just because I want to hear that one story of someone introducing their grandmother to video games <laughs> with Grand Theft Auto V and bonding over stealing cars, going on kill streaks, and running from police. So, of course, I put up a whole canned mental image of like 
these two people playing games together and the grandmother being exceptionally proud of her young baby who's <laughs> <laughs> doing such a great job stealing cars and running from the popo. <laughs> <laughs> that one makes me laugh. That one makes me laugh a lot. It was great. <laughs> but the track that we just listened to was not from that, nor was it from God of War, which was a, a you know a fan a favorite game from you know Kung Fu Carlita. This actually came from the game Final Fantasy Mystic Quest. The track title was Battle Two, and who was the composer? Rob uh, Ryuji Sasai. Thank you, good sir. Yes, the savior of composership. Um, and this is what Bedrov had to say about his submission. One of the most memorable. Horrible gaming experiences I had was Final Fantasy Mystic Quest for the Super Nintendo. Not because it was too easy. As an introduction to JRPGs, it was actually quite good, and I had a lot of fun playing it. However, the cartridge I borrowed from a friend was corrupted, and the save file simply didn't work. I ended up staying up until 5 a.m. trying to get to the end, and I made it to the penultimate boss, that being the bird monster Zuh. <laughs> I love that name. Yeah. Before calling it a Nate. I didn't want my parents to know I'd been up all night playing, so I turned it off and prayed to the gods of gaming that the save function would magically work. I no longer pray to the gods of gaming. The music in the game, however, is fantastic, and the last song I heard in my fateful <laughs> run through the quest was Battle Theme 2, which plays for every boss battle except the Behemoth and the Dark Clank King. I hope that you all come to enjoy it. Well, I know I did. That was a good track. I, yeah. love, I, God, I love this music. And for the game. record, all the testimonies we've read so far today, this is what I wanted this topic for. It was suggested in the Discord by Heather, which is why I wish she submitted a track for it, because it's a great topic. But these are the, these are the descriptions I was hoping to read when the topic came through, because this is some interesting stuff. Like The things we had experienced in the games was like, I'm like, 30 years older than I was when I played that game. Right. But I never forgot but you, that but moment. Yeah, it never leaves you. It, it never, ever leaves you. It sets you up for the future. Oh, man. All right. So, all right. So, my, uh, my next. Dark Kling. <laughs> never living that speech impediment, Aerodale. <laughs> so, my next track is actually one um, I'm bringing to the table. This is from the game Snake, Rattle, and Roll for the NES. This is composed by David Wise. We're going to listen to track Stage 3.
All right, this is stage three from Snake, Rattle, and Roll for the NES, composed by David Wise. All right, so this isn't a personal story. Well, it's a story that I have, but I mean, like, this isn't about me. So... It's not about you. Then what's the point, Rob? All right, this was... Ooh. I don't know who that is. I think it's a seventh grade, sixth or seventh. Yeah, it must have been like seventh grade, right? So uh, I had these. I had a friend, Steve. His name was Steve. He had a younger brother named Phil. Okay. Right, and I would go to their house all the time, and we would play NES games. We would play Super Nintendo games. Like, we just played games, and they were obsessed with RPGs, and I never played RPGs. And, of course, now I'm like, oh, my God, I hope they saw their collection because it's worth a fortune. Mm-hmm. Um, but one day I went to school, and I looked in Phil's locker, and there was a copy of Snake, Rattle, and Roll sitting in his locker. And I was like, why did you bring this to school? Are you, are you trading with somebody, or are you selling it, or what? And he's like, no, I'm hiding it. Hi. I'm hiding it because we can never play this game. Because every time they play, they would fight so badly. Whoa. So bitterly. A snake rattle it, it was like painful. And was so, it a competitive game, I guess? Yeah, it was it was I think it's like a board game type thing. And um and so they would he, he took the game out of the house so that no one could ever find it and left it in his locker. <laughs> so his brother could never ask <laughs> yeah. him to play because he didn't want to deal with it again. I wonder whatever happened to those guys. I, I, I ran into them once. I'm not even going to repeat this story on the show, but I ran into them once, I guess about 10 years ago. Um, well, you're recording it. I'm recording this here. I'll tell the story later. But, <laughs> but like, yeah, but like, and then we said hi. It was super awkward. I never saw them again. Like, I mean, it's been a long time. I've never seen them again. It's been almost 10 years. Wow. And even since then, it was like probably 20. So, I mean, like really nice kids. Well, Rob, <laughs> did you know who's behind the curtain over here? I got Steve. That Come was- on in, Steve. That would be amazing. Uh, no, but I, oh I'm talking God. about my snake so much of my childhood, you know, running around the woods and you know playing video games with these kids. Uh, yeah, so snake rattle and roll destroyed a family. Go snake <laughs> rattle and roll. It's just like I was just I was to me it was just so alien. One that you would fight with your brothers so much that you would remove a video game from the house. <laughs> You know, hey, it happens. I mean, my brother and I used to fight over a lot of games, wow. but I didn't remove from the house so much as Darnell refused to play them with me. <laughs> now, before we change to another track or anything, oh. I want to mention this interesting point that Triple Jeff mentions in the chat, and it also makes me want to ask. He can say it in the chat, probably. But I'm curious how, like, when he played this game because there's, there's a reason for this. Okay, so he talked. So, to, what? So Triple Jeff said. All right, hold on. So let's go back. Let's go back. All right. So Bedroth says something about a game. No, this is Triple Jeff. This is... I'm kidding. <laughs> Christ, I'm why trying, are you teasing I'm me? just trying to, like, pull you around. Uh, <laughs> Triple Jeff says, I remember playing one of the early Resident Evil games and those demon dogs jumping through the window. I was like, yep, yeah. I'll just put this controller down and never play a horror <laughs> game again. Now, the thing about that, the reason why I wanted to ask how, like, when he originally played the game is because I do know that there were quote-unquote scary games before, like Alone in the Dark, some of the early Alone in the Dark yeah, games. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, there was, yeah, yeah. But Resident Evil 1 was the first quote-unquote survival horror game. That was the mm-hmm. game that coined the term just like Dark Souls coined Souls-likes and Symphony Night coined Metroidvanias yeah, and all that. survival mess. horror. Because it, it's very, just. I mean, it's, it really describes, it's a horror, it's a game based on a horror, like, trope, and it's, horror a, and trope it's all about survival. And resource, and limited resources. Um, but yeah. his description of his reaction to the dog jumping scene, I'm going to go out on a limb 
and say 90% of the people who played Resident Evil when it released had the same reaction. Oh, yes. Because... I, 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 no, I did. Absolutely. Yeah, I, yeah. I, 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 pretty, I remember. I was I like, remember. what the crap? Like, I remember the dog yeah. jumped through, and I didn't let my controller go, but I actively did flail. Yeah. And like, what do I do? And I tried to run, and of course, it had the stupid tank control, so you couldn't just go backwards. And that's why I feel like those controls were successful. Like, they were so hard to maneuver that, like, it was hard to get out of tricky situations. Like, if you were in, like, in a horror movie, you're like, I can't run! Yeah, and I feel like the thing about, and the reason why I wanted to iterate that point that he made is because I feel like that falls under the umbrella of shared traumatic experiences in games. If you were around during the original era, mm-hmm. just like kneeling at the root at the cliff in Castlevania Two: Simon's Quest, yeah. if you were playing Castlevania right, Two right. when that game was new, when it was out, you shared that frustration with every other person who played the game. Because there are no savants who just like magically knew to kneel for three bloody minutes at a cliff. No one knew it, so everyone was freaking out until someone came out and started spreading the good word yeah. of. You know, Saint kneels at cliffs. You mentioned, like, yeah, there were other scary games before, like, the Resident Evil series of games. But I feel like a lot of the earlier games, like Alone in the Dark and Seventh Guest and all that stuff, it was all, like, atmospheric spookiness. And a lot of it was just campy. Yeah. Resident Evil was the first first one that was like, I'm going to do a jump scare, Mm -hmm. and we're going to catch you. And it it caught a lot of us. Yeah, Yeah. because the entirety... Like, remember how I I love teasing you about Super Metroid? (laughs) Similar reasoning, though. Because Resident Evil was essentially the first of its kind, which means it was like a growing pain to get into the genre. Mm. Yeah, they've made them better since then and all that, but there's something to be said about going to the thing that started it and experiencing it as it was meant to be played at the time. It's part of what makes it great. Someone can play, like I I can see a 16-year-old today playing Resident Evil 1 and just complaining the whole time. Yeah. Just like being upset. This is stupid. I can't even turn around. I want to. <laughs> Dumb dog. I should be able to just shoot the dog when he jumps through the window. Where are these controls so responsive? Why do I have so many li- how do I have limited herbs? I should be able to heal when I want. I'm a commando, darn it. Wow. Like, I could totally see all that being said yeah. by someone, a youth in the modern age, about Resident Evil 1. These youths, they don't know. The youths? They don't know. Two like, youths. They know. They all know. There's plenty of YouTube videos. <laughs> Rage Cage goes try play Castlevania 2, the Disney Magical Kingdom right after. <laughs> Double decker frustration. I did hate Disney Magical Kingdom. That was the NES game if you everyone's thinking about. That did not, not like where that you game. played like the two like you were side scrolling. Oh no, you you go to the different rides in oh. the in the Disney amusement park oh. and they all suck. Yeah, okay, so there is and the, I, I don't plug a lot of other shows. There is a, a Game Grumps episode where Ben Schwartz the, the voice of Sonic comes mm-hmm. on and he plays through that entire game. Really? And it's like an hour and a half because he refuses to give up. That's my... I like that. And it's really entertaining. My kind of gamer go-getter shit. And he's... It's it's so much fun to watch. Um, ben Schwartz is one of the funniest people on the planet. So um, I will, will, you know, give that a little plug. Okay. We got to move on. We are going down the road. The magical road. To the magical world. To Viridian City? Of the bonus round, actually. The bonus Wait. round. Oh, a bonus round. Yeah. That was me. Detour Viridian City to the bonus round. I'm on the road. I'm on the road <laughs> to the bonus round. The bonus <laughs> round is where we play covers and remixes and arrangements on our theme. I may play some more original music. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on the road. 
Perna, what you got? What do you have for us for this bonus round? All right, I actually did get a submission from our friend, the wise guy himself, Chris Wisner. And the track that he submitted is called Night of Fire. Do-do-do-do-do-do. Not the same one. Um, Night of Fire, (laughs) synth metal cover from the game Xenogears, remixed or covered, rather, by Garrett Turney. Welcome back. You're listening to the Night of Fire synth metal cover from the game Xenogears, covered by Garrett Turney. And this was submitted by the wise guy, Chris Wisner. And this is what Chris had to say about his track that he just submitted. In the depths, we saw an alien form. It was partially rotted and petrified, a giant, grotesque being. It gave off an inexplicable air of intimidation. Perhaps it was more than a gut reaction. Perhaps it was the fear of the absolute that came from the very depths of our inherited instincts. 
I have a love-hate relationship with Xenogears. While it has awesome giant robots and an epic Yasunori Mitsuda score, Xenogears also is one of those rare RPGs that took me 100-plus hours to complete because of absurdly frustrating boss battles and loads of grinding. Hmm. Of particular loathing is the first encounter with Deus, the creepy larval form in a block of ice. I was always remembering the feeling of expression of horror on my face whenever I attacked and Deus would heal itself for 16,000 hit points. I died probably two dozen times before throwing the controller down in disgust, only to learn you were never supposed to attack the cursed thing until it did enough damage to itself and entered a vulnerable state. Face palm. Thankfully, I played Xenogears when it originally came out because imagine the added horror of learning this particular boss battle routinely froze the game when played on the PlayStation 2. Night of Fire is a recurring boss battle throughout the game, including the aforementioned Deus fight. Garrett Turney's metal cover ticks all of the boxes for me in that it captures the spirit of the original track while having plenty of improvised fun thanks to synthy head-bobbing interludes and a shredding guitar solo. It does omit a spooky audio sample found in the original, but that's a weird rabbit hole in itself for you, the listener, to travel down. Have a happy Halloween, everybody. Now, I got two bits to add along to that, the first of which being that he chose... What actually is tangen- tangentially a game video game trauma of mine, too. Because I've never beaten Xenogears before. Because I couldn't beat the boss that came after Deus. Oh, wow. I fought Deus for the very first time and beat him. Something that I came to learn later was the thing that gave everyone else trouble. <laughs> then I got to the boss after Deus. Right. And got myself rocked and died. Deus was not easy. He was very tough for me. I won, got beat by the following boss, which was the actual final boss of the game. Later, come to find out, that boss was supposed to be a gimme boss. No one dies to that boss. Oh, my God. So somehow, I beat the boss everyone hated, but lost to the boss that everyone calls a joke. Hmm. So I don't even know how to translate that. And I hated the Deus fight so much that I never brought myself to go back and try it again. Because I never, I didn't like any of the Gears battles in the game. I hated those. I like the foot style battles. You're doing the button combos to do attacks. Hated the battles in the gears. Mm. So, ugh. Is it, is it like doing the like, in Skies of Arcadia where there's like the normal battles and then there's the battles in the boats? Actually, it is kind of yeah, like that. Yeah, but the thing is, like, the battles in the boat on well, Skies of Arcadia, they weren't as good as the foot battles, but they were more manageable because they kind of flowed properly. Mm-hmm. You chose an attack and you hoped that your attack was a good measure to what the enemy was going to do. Right, right. In this game, though, it's almost like the PlayStation couldn't even handle it. It was so slow and janky. Mm-hmm. Plus, all of the robots ran on fuel, so you had essentially a limited amount of turns to beat it before your ship ran on fuel and you couldn't do anything. Oh, wow. It was annoying as crap. <laughs> um, but the second thing I wanted to mention, I'm putting, I'm immortalizing this because he made a joke where he told me about this in chat, and I'm going to bring it on the show because I'm, he's going to have to do it. He said, I actually thought about submitting a track from Landstalker just to add to the, but I, just, but I didn't want to give you the satisfaction for no, <laughs> submitting a Landstalker trap because Chris hates Landstalker. Oh, really? And I love Landstalker. I know you love Landstalker. It goes back to our days as turn-based critics. He uh, just hates it. And okay. he suggests it potentially replaying the game in modern day with his modern eyes, and I say, do it. I'm putting it on the show for you on the spot right now. Play Landstalker again. 
play it on your live stream, and I will play it too. Mm. We can both play Landstalker again for the first time in over 10 years, and it'll be fun to see how we measure I up. That'll be good. That'll be fun. All right. Also, uh, I want to want people to know, so if you don't do it, your shame is not secret. <laughs> Put it out there in the open for everybody. That's right. All right, so my bonus round track is a last-minute submission from GameFan44, Kristen. I'm a listener. I believe she might still be in our chat. I don't know. Uh, but I picked the song for her, and she gave she sent a testimonial last minute. This is a remix of National Park from Pokemon Gold and Silver, and this is by the artist Mewmore.
Arceus. This was National Park from Pokemon Gold and Silver. That was remixed by Mew Moore. M-E-U. M-E-W. Mew Moore. Um, we'll have links to him on No, the, no, Mew Less. Mew Less. Mew Moore. Mew Less. Um, but then we picked this for, um, for GameFan44. She wrote to us. She says, when I was little, I don't remember who it was, but there was a girl that came over to my house. I think she was a sister of one of my sister's friends, and I was showing her my Pokemon Gold game, and we started a new game so she could see it. Little did I know that when you save a new game, the old one gets deleted. Hope she wasn't very far in the game. I was devastated when I noticed that my Pokemon were now gone. I'm never making that mistake again. I'm wondering how far she was into the game by this point. Did she like play pretty far in? Was she at the end? Was yeah. she doing post game content? I wonder. I wonder. But still, either way, that e- would frustrate e- the crap way, out that, of me. That's tough. That's some tough stuff. So, for more information on the bonus round, go to rhythmandpixels.com. We'll have links to the artist SoundClouds, Bandcamps, everywhere you can go, buy the music, stream the music, listen to the music, and support these artists. All right, thanks for joining us on the Rhythm and Pixels podcast, episode 34-9. This is, I don't know how we want to name this episode, just traumatic gaming experiences. Or, might, or, we might have to tweak that a little bit yeah, because maybe, some maybe, might be like, no, God. Yeah, maybe horrific games. Not horrifi- not like horror games, but horrific games. Horror, gaming horror in life. I don't know. We'll <laughs> I come don't, up with something. Something like that. We're ending this song, we're ending this, this episode on the song Ramirez's theme from Skies of Arcadia for the Sega Dreamcast. And this one I had to choose because I was already putting crazy mad hours into this game. I wasn't sleeping. I was playing Skies of Arcadia. And there is a boss. You fight Ramirez. I had to look this up because I can't remember who it was. And you are intended to lose. Like, it's part of the story. Like, he comes, you're underpowered, Uh and you fight him, and then you lose, and the story continues, right? Uh Uh-huh. But at this point, I've been grinding for so, so long that I was doing pretty good. Uh Uh-huh. But I was... I was kind of, I was kind of like it was balanced, you know, like like I would do some hits, he would do some hits, I would heal, he would heal, and I would just kind of go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. This went on for hours, hours, because I didn't know I was supposed to lose. Uh-huh. So I spent all of this time. I th- I'm pretty sure it was hours, just like trying to figure out how to beat this guy, going through all of my items, all of my healing items, trying to beat this boss, thinking like if I lose, I lose all this progress. I gotta beat him. I gotta beat him. And then um. After all of this time, I finally lost, and the game just continues, and the story goes on, and I've lost every healing item that I've had. Did all you at least go back afterwards and just, like, reload the file, and all you got to do is just, like, die? Pernal, this is my nightmare mode. I choose not to. You just kept going? I just kept going. Jesus. Because I've already done it. It's done. It's over. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, not going to no, go back and redo it. Set save <laughs> scum. This is a self-imposed nightmare mode, Pernal. <laughs> I didn't have a track for a submission, but since I don't think we're going to do an episode of this topic for ourselves, I do have one story. I may have even told it on the show in the past, but it's thematic, and someone might be listening to the show for the first time, so I'm going to tell it now anyway. So if I had to choose a, a, a game traumatic moment or like just frustrating bit, um, I don't because I don't have one that, I guess Chris Stiles getting my house broken into would be a good one, but 
I can tell a story another time of people are like, what the heck are you talking about? But Co-Veronica Resident Evil, I think, was the one for me in that regard where um, for those who don't remember Code Veronica, it's like the one Resident Evil game aside from maybe Zero that Capcom just seems insistent on not remaking. Um, it came out on the Dreamcast, and then later I think it got a PS2 release where you controlled multiple characters in the game. You controlled Claire Redfield and Chris Redfield and kind of interloping, interloping scenarios. Like you might play as one here and then the other one there. And the way they designed the game is you can run around and sometimes engage in some of the same areas of the game and find weapons and items. And if you pick them up and put them in the chest or held on to them, the items were solely locked to that character. Mm -hmm. Now, I kind of had an unbalanced play where I feel like I recall Claire having the majority of my weaponry and ammo. Yes, I'm and, remembering how this worked out. Yeah, and yeah. Chris had some of the stuff. So at the end of the game, when you go to the final boss, Chris is the one that has to fight the final boss. And Chris has to go into the trunk to get whatever items he can get. In I think I did something similar. Boss. I'm pretty sure I did something similar. And you had yeah. like little to nothing to fight the final boss with? Yeah, yeah, because I'm like, well, I got I got to use everything at my disposal. So you use everything, and then you get to like, well, wait a minute. And I, I left nothing for Chris. Exactly. <laughs> I have nothing for Chris. He's screwed. <laughs> so I went and fought that boss yeah. more than a few times attempting to beat the boss. Finally beat the boss on one attempt, and then the second form came out where you have to aim the... You know, the, the, at the time, the series trademark rocket launcher finale. Right. You had to aim the rocket launcher at this bee monster that's flying towards you, and I could never get the shot off. The bee thing killed me, never went back. So to oh. this day, I've never beaten Resident Evil Co-Veronica because that craft frustrates me. And to this very day, because of that game, any game that has mutual characters, like multiple characters mm. sharing inventory space... I'm very specific wow. and meticulous about everybody yeah. having their fair share. I, I had, never want to experience that I again. I had no idea you went through the same thing. I played Code Veronica on the Dreamcast, on the remake on the Dreamcast, um, which I really thoroughly enjoyed. But the thing is, is I got I got to the end, and the same thing happened to me, and all I had left to fight the boss with was a knife. Oh, God. Because <laughs> it's like you run, I run through everything, and, and I didn't leave myself enough items. And so I'm like just trying to... like. There's got to be a way to fight this thing with a knife. People do it to get the Tofu Man character for whatever reason. So I'm like, there's got to be. A, and then I just, I just gave up. I'm Wait, like, so in your case, you just used, you used up all of your items, right? Yeah, all my items were gone. Healing items, weapons, everything was gone. So, so I, I had a knife. So for me, that what you described happened in Silent Hill 3. Oh. I was playing it on hard mode yeah. because, of course, I did. And got to the end of that game. And I burned through all of my ammo getting to the final boss. And I'm like, and she's like on the other side of this like ravine. Yeah. You have to shoot at her, but I can't reach her. I'm out of bullets and I can't reach her with my katana. So I'm just like, die all over. What was the one? Um, was it Silent Hill 2 where you're on the carousel? Yes. No, yeah. Silent Hill 1. Silent Hill 1, you're on the carousel. Oh, you're you're yeah. fighting the cop. Yeah, the cop. And the cop's coming after you. And this whole time you have like this vial of green liquid. It doesn't tell you what it is. Doesn't tell you if you should use it. Why is the guess assuming you even found it? Because I had it. I had it in my inventory, and she's coming after you. And if you put the, if you throw the green liquid at her, she comes to, and she and she, and she helps you out, and it's normal again. But instead, all I did was like, well, I have a rifle. Yeah, and so and so I killed the cop, <laughs> and, <laughs> which is a shame because Sybil was awesome. Which, in, in the context of the game, is kind of 
kind of funny because it's like one shot, she's dead, and I'm like, oh my god, that I, what did I do? You were hoping like maybe in video <laughs> game terms, once you shoot her enough, she'll come too, and she's normal. You're like, nope, you killed her. No, no, or it was like, oh, thank god that threat was over. It's just like she drops, and it's like. Okay, moving on. I'm like, oh my god. She was the it only makes, ally makes, you had, Rob. I know it makes you feel like you really did something wrong. Like, like you, you should feel like re, you should regret that decision because you did. should. I did. You should. And the it, thing about it, like the fact that you had the green liquid in I your did. inventory blows my mind because well, what I remember, nothing tells you. But well, right? it's not that nothing tells you. Technically, something does. Here's the thing, though. To have gotten the liquid that you use on her. Mm. You have to go down this entire side mission that the game doesn't choreograph, and there's documentation you find that explains that the drug can be can be used to counteract the condition she had. Right, right. But that you would only know that if you were like meticulously reading the docs. You but found. there's never been anything else in the game where it's like, okay, go to the menu now, and then. then well, I, I'm not denying that. <laughs> yeah. But that's what I'm saying. You had the thing. I had the thing that is essentially intended for the average player to have on a repeat play. To try to save the cop that you killed the first time. I, I end all my Silent Hill games in the saddest way possible. <laughs> they never work out for me. I always get the bad ending. You I were work, on Silent Hill 2 rowing up to Luca Lake. I try so hard. I try so hard. And, and every time it's like a horrible ending. Like everyone burns up in a fire. It's like, it's just so sad. And um, I don't know, maybe probably true life. It's like the end of Detroit becoming human. Which I still need to get through. We got like the worst of the worst endings, the string of worst endings you could possibly have. Which makes me wonder what options you're choosing when you play these games. Don't play altruistically. You can't. You can't. Sometimes, depending on how they write those games, though. That's all I'm saying. You don't, you might find yourself in a situation where it's like, I want to help that person, but given what's going on, it doesn't make sense to try. Like they, they, it, no, more they, people will be no, damned by me helping you. No, this game wants you to. It just wants you to be in the rebellion. So every violent, rebellious thought that you have, just do it in the game. Jeez, and you will be rewarded for it. And, <laughs> and your characters will be alive and happy. Well, here's the question I have though: <laughs> as, as, a person who's, as a person who's never played it, I hope this is intriguing chat for the <laughs> listeners. Um. Would you say that the game at least choreographs scenarios in a way so that you not wanting to be a part of the rebellion is you reflecting on it as an actual human being and not because the people in the game and the contents of the game didn't actually possibly deserve something that was going to happen? I, I mean, whether they deserve it or not is a decision that I'm not going to approach. But I'm saying like... <laughs> I, I made decisions that I felt were human and were humane. You know, the decisions that maybe would protect people, mm-hmm. maybe people who maybe didn't deserve to be protected, but like would be like the saving of, of of that person's character, of the moral character. Okay. But in doing so, you're just sacrificing yourself over and over again. And if you sacrifice yourself, you're dead. The game's over. You know, and, and, it's, not, and, an it's, and it's not a nice ending. I guess to give you an example of what I'm thinking about, Though I, th- I think I think you are on the same boat, but just in case, let's say you're the robot, and it's one of those dystopian features where the humans mistreat the robots, like just straight up, like they just beat the stuffing out of you as the robot. Right. And as the robot in the game, you are physically capable of defending yourself and potentially even putting the threat down. But when getting the choice to defend yourself against the human, some people might approach that and go, "Well, maybe that human is just misguided." 
And if I just let it go, yeah. they will realize that I'm not a threat. Well, in my mind, I kept thinking, like, well, maybe the story is actually going to veer it around. Like, I, I, like, I actually said I'm going to sacrifice my character, you know, rather than, rather than start the violent uprising. You know what? My character was sacrificed. The violent uprising happened anyway, but because my character died, there was no leader, and it gets squashed. Oh, gee. It's so hard. It's so hard. But it encourages you to make multiple decisions so that you can see all the, the branching storylines. I would just enjoy it. It's, it's a fun game. You'll, you'll, you, you, can, you can play it in a day. You'll appreciate this, it's by a, the way. It's a good time. Um, Kung Fu Carlito says, Oh, man, I just played Detroit, and I have similar feelings to Rob. I honestly didn't like the game at all because of the same reasons he just described. Yeah, I, I, I liked it despite despite that happening, only because I knew that I could go back and redo it. And we started to, and then I stopped because it's a lot. Mm, I understand. Yeah. Like, I Maybe I will go back and boot it because I do own it. It's been sitting on my shelf since the day it came out. <laughs> Shocker, I know. I know. It's, it's, on, it's on the shelf of shame. Shelf of shame. Tower of power. All right. Um, anyway, thanks, everybody, for listening to us. Thanks for listening to us talk about games for a little while longer. Um, if you have a, uh, a track suggestion, a topic suggestion, if um, if you have a band, like, like a VGM cover band, a remixer suggestion, we would love to hear all of those things. These episodes that are um, all, all listener suggestions uh, of songs aren't, re- aren't just for the Patreon members. This is for everybody who listens to the show. So if you have a suggestion, please email it to us. At RhythmandPixels at hotmail.com and by by the way we will do more to try to get track the uh, topic suggestions on the show as it airs so that you can hear it too just in case Mm -hmm. so it's floating out there like oh yeah here's the track topic for this month so if you hear it and you have an idea submit it before you forget and we'll try to get them out early too so that like when you start the episode like oh hey in the first five minutes they're talking about what we're doing so we'll make sure you know not just everywhere on on social media We'll, we'll get it in the show proper too um, and also, if you like, if you want a track listing of this episode or access to all of our episodes and ways to download the episodes, you can go to the website rhythmandpixels.com. We also have a Discord server. The the link is at the top of the website. You can click that and talk to me and Brunel and some other uh, video game music enthusiasts and other podcasters are there as well. We also have a twenty four seven eight bit and sixteen bit radio station. It's over at Twitch twitch.tv slash rhythmandpixels. It's all one word. You can check that out over there. And if you want to support the show, the best thing you can do is tell people about it. Or you can go to Patreon, patreon.com slash Rhythm and Pixels. And as a member there, you get access to these uh, monthly live streamed recorded episodes. You also get cool stuff like there's mugs and there's stickers and there's t-shirts. And we also like to thank all of our members who are at the highest levels at the end of every episode. So we first want to thank you to Brooke, Frankly Zappa, and Khalid. Um, Brooke, um, we're gonna, we actually have to refund because she got in there twice by accident. She actually wrote to us and confirmed, and she's like, she pretty much, ex- like, pretty yeah, much it was like, oh yeah, so. that was that's what happened. So, but thank you so much for for hitting that button twice, um, and thank you to Frankly Zappa and Khalid, all three of you, super, 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 thank you. I want to thank you to user number one, number one, uh, Kristen Martyrus, host of the ReVGM podcast. Thank you to Mike Myers, Alf Person, Alex Messenger, host of. AVGM Journey podcast. Thank you to Andreas Milberg, Brian Pitt, Cameron Worma, Carlos, who's the Kung Fu Carlito of the Heroes 3 podcast. Thank you to Chris Wisner, a.k.a. Musashi219. The wise guy? A.k.a. the birthday boy. Happy Wait. birthday, Chris Wisner. Hey-o. Thank you, Christopher Senstrom. Thank you to Chuck Kowalski, Davey Cakes, 
David Taylor, Enchilada Rigol, Harold Howard, Triple Jeff, Justin Schneider, co-host of XVGM Radio, and a, a show about industrial music called The Arcane Machine. Got it. I remembered it this time. Nice. Yeah, check me out. All right, thank you to Keith Shusterman. Thank you to Michael Bridgewater, Dr. Michael Bridgewater, host of the Forever Sound version, and uh, maybe we can get it back on the show Yes, soon. he wrote to us. He yeah. did say he's down. He's down for it. He's down to clown. Uh, thank you to Rage Cage, host of the VG Emporium podcast. Loving that show. Thank you to Reinhardt Zelkova, Sleepy S'more, Steve Miller, Taco, Ed Wilson, host of the VG Embassy, our podcast dad, and Zach Thornbach. Thank you all and many, many more for your continued support of our little show. We appreciate it. We very much appreciate it. Um, over the next few weeks, we actually have a few guests coming on the show, which we're um, happy to have um, a lot of returning uh, uh, voices that you're going to hear, um, which I'm looking forward to. And then probably towards the end of November, the end of the month is going to be our podcast anniversary. That's right. Seven years? I think it's our seventh one. It'll be seven years. Seven years in November. Didn't think we'd get to seven. Didn't think we'd get to two. But think, we're trucking along, I think we baby. Get to, I think we get to ten, and then we pivot. We uh, open our own restaurant. Rhythm and Pixels? Yeah, the Rhythm and Pixels Diner. You come in, you get pancakes, you get chicken and waffles, you got milkshakes, we got pies. Rhythm and Meats. Rhythm and Meats. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there it is, Ashley. Rhythm and Meats. Um, no, I'm just, just kidding, obviously. We're going to keep doing this until we don't feel like it. They're here. And we have felt like it every week for the past seven years. <laughs> Surprisingly, it's like an interesting... Like, admittedly, you put in the majority of the like physical, like after the show's done, you're down here doing the editing part. But like essentially... No, you do a lot of work for this show, so... I, mean, I just I just do the technical stuff in the background. That's all. Ah, yeah, yeah, it's a lot of it's a lot of work. I mean, I mean, you got to be on. You know, you're, you got to turn 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 your brain on, turn your voice on. It's a lot of stuff. And, 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 and sometimes we have to postpone the show and do it on a day where you do another show right after this show. <laughs> that is I, true. I don't know how you do that. Very sleepily. We do recording this show, five hours in a row, and then I go upstairs and lay in bed, and I just am like, I don't want to talk. My voice is done. <laughs> I have literally had days where I've recorded from seven thirty. With a 10-minute break to drive home until 1 in the morning. Wow. That's a lot. Oh, yeah. Putting that, putting that work. That's a whole, whole lot. Um, oh, for the tunes. So, yeah, so I am looking forward to those episodes. And then soon after our uh, anniversary show, which is going to be our – I think we want to do our top 10 favorite tracks. We'll have some live streams. That's going to be live stream, but that's always a free live stream. And we'll have some other live streams, maybe some uh, some gameplay, uh, Robin Purnell long plays. And then we'll have the holiday. And we'll have some holiday music. We'll have some holiday cheer. I do look forward to like a general, our general, like our top games of 2022. Oh, we're hosting Thanksgiving. You are welcome. Uh, my sister and her husband are coming to stay with us. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. That should be nice. Yeah, so come on. That's appreciated. Out. Nice chill in the new kitchen. Tell your sister to bring a single friend. I'll, I'll ask her. I tease. <laughs> I would be kidding me how frustrated. I would be like, well, I got to drive how far just to hang out with you? I don't know how I feel about that. I'm really cheap, and my car doesn't get good mileage. <laughs> <laughs> I kid. I kid. No, but, you're, but you're not. But I'm you're, not kidding But you don't all. want me to, right? You don't want me to? No, don't do that. Okay. I'm just teasing. I, I, I do it. I do it. I appreciate that. But you don't want me to. Don't do it. Don't, <laughs> don't do it. Don't do it. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening to the show. Um my name is Rob Nichols. And I'm Pernell. We'll see you next week. And remember, we don't have one so much for this week, though. It was mentioned in the chat, and I actually did read about this today myself. So this will be a good opportunity to say, you know, 
our condolences to Reiko Kodama, um, a developer from at Sega who died at the age of 58 this year. She actually died earlier in the year, but it's become public knowledge pretty much today or within the last few days. And related to the actual episode, she was pretty much one of the people on one of the primary people on Skies of Arcadia. Yeah. So it's uh, it's unfortunate. And as one person in one of the chat threads I was reading about the other day, reading from the other day, they made a comment where it specifically said. Because, you know, everyone tends to say, oh, no, not this person. It's so sad and such and such. And the person said, get used to it. We're coming up on that point where a good number of the pioneers from our age are going to be going, like, back to back because this is a long-going industry. But I guess that ultimately leads to an actual end remember, which I didn't expect to do, which is uh, we sit here and we talk about, you know, video games. We talk about the music on them. And much of the time... We don't know. I mean, musically is a little different because due to the nature of this hobby, we talk about composers all the time. You almost feel compelled to seek out a composer if you like something you hear in a game. But for the general public, lots of the time we engage in this stuff. We have no idea who is behind any of it. You might hear about the typical big name like, you know, Shinji Mikami or Yuji Naka, who I guess isn't much of a big name anymore. Um... Or like, you know, just the typical heads, you know, that are known for like spearheading a product. But there's tons of other people involved in this stuff. And it's worth noting that these are the people that are responsible for giving us this medium to engage with. Yeah, they get paid for it. Yeah, it's their jobs. Doesn't mean anything. It still means if they didn't do those jobs, we wouldn't have this to have fun with and engage in. So it's worth giving respect and appreciation to the people give us the memories, access to the means to have these memories and these exchanges, mm. these meaningful exchanges that we have every single day with our friends and our, I guess some of us are lucky enough to have gaming family members um, in our families. So just saying, make sure to show appreciation for all those gaming greats and not so greats who make it possible for us to have a video game hobby to engage in at all because they do mean a lot to us even if you don't know what their names are.